0: can't be late for Bible study I can't be late for Bible study oh hey I got it Woo! all right yes
1: hey Evan oh, thank you thank you hey Evan all right it looks like you beat me to our Bible study um,
0: oh uh, yeah hey watch out for the cord there oh yeah I Hey. thanks trip. so what's been going on well actually I'm so glad you're here this is so exciting I just finished this puzzle
1: oh wow look that that looks like a tough one too how long did it take you to solve that well, that one took me a
0: few weeks, but
1: actually doing
0: it has kept me on track to accomplish all the other stuff I want to do this year.
1: So what other accomplishments are you trying to do this year?
0: Oh, um, actually, I mean, I have everything listed I want to do on this little paper here.
1: <laughs> Whoa, that's quite a list you have.
0: So, goodness,
1: what's, what's well, on your list? I, I mean, a lot of these are, all of these are pretty easy, I mean... Well, let's see what you've done so far. Let me see here. Okay, assemble new desktop computer, check. Fix dad's car engine, check. That was actually pretty easy. Read Einstein book, check. It was a good read. Well, wow, you've had quite a year so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wanted to do more, but I mean, hey, it's only March, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're pretty goal-oriented, Evan. So let's see what else is on your list. What are you working on now? Okay, figure out eternity What does that one mean? Well, I mean
0: we've been studying the Bible as a group, right? One of the things I just don't understand is how God can be Just as present now as as like a hundred trillion years from now. I mean God is always and constantly present doesn't, doesn't the idea of forever just kind of blow your mind?
1: Yeah, in fact, I've given up trying to figure out uh, how long forever is. Oh my gosh. Hey, So hey, sorry Katie. I'm late. Hey, Bible study. Katie. Whew. I was on the phone with a friend and the conversation just went on and on and on. Just felt like an eternity. Anyway, what are you guys talking about? Uh, uh, eternity. eternity. <laughs> huh? Well, our goal-oriented friend Evan here has set his sights on figuring out God and eternity.
0: Well, I mean, look, uh, everyone's got to have a hobby, right? I mean, but seriously, though, guys, it's all just such a mystery.
1: I, I, I've just, I, it's just too much. I give, I've given up on that topic and, uh, nope. Yeah. My brain hurts every time I think about it. I can't even imagine it. We're never going to figure it out.
0: But, but, but look, Katie, don't you even want to try? I mean, God gave us brains, Right. Here, can you guys help me with something? Can you take this end of the cord and head over there?
1: All right, sure, I'm going. And
0: then can you take this end of the cord and head over that way? All right. Come on, Katie. <sighs> All right. Now, guys, let's just, let's just imagine that the cord goes on forever that way. Whoa. A- and it goes on forever this way. So God, 100 trillion years from now, is just the same as he is right now. And, and way, way back when, before history even started god was there too and this knot in the middle is like all of human existence
1: yeah and and just think of god being in eternity like everywhere all the time it's like there are billions and billions of these cords going in every direction everywhere
0: wow wow
1: No, no 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 listen it's like there are it's like a, just an infinite amount of chords heading out just forever and ever and ever.
0: Wow. Human human existence
1: seems so tiny. And hey guys, check this out. Jesus since he was God came from all eternity into that. Oh wow. wow I, just, I just can't I'm forget. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's it. too much <laughs> to handle. I can't do it. Even even Sorry
0: my late like to teach our Bible study.
1: Hey Terry. Hey.
0: It's okay. Seemed like an eternity. (laughs) What are you guys talking about?
2: Can we give a hand to our team for sharing with us? Good morning. Glad to see you all. If you're watching online, we're glad to see you uh, as well. And we're grateful that you're here with us. My name is Jamie Moore. I serve as co-senior pastor here. And this morning, we are looking at the attribute of God, the eternality of God, the fact that God is eternal. God is eternal. And we've been continuing now a series called Astonished, where we look at the attributes of God. And I appreciate Aaron actually wrote uh, that drama for us, Um, so I really appreciate that really, really creative and, and helpful Because it is a funny thing when we do an attribute series we do a sermon series on the attributes of God It's a funny thing Because even as smart as dennis and I or anyone else may look like we are I was waiting for y'all to be like yeah, you look so smart Even if it looks like we're smart. We're just like scratching It's like a scratch on the surface of the glory of God And when you see a picture like that, you realize, wow, we can talk about these attributes. We can even sing about the attributes. We can talk about them in our small groups. But we're only scratching the surface of the glorious God that we worship. And I I told the team, uh, prior to every service, we'll pray before the service starts. And I I told the the audiovisual team and the band and others, I feel a, a, a sense of um, insignificance <laughs> when we approach a topic like the eternal God. So I'm just being honest with you. I, I feel the weightiness of how insignificant our minds are to comprehend Him. But our task is to look at the Word <laughs> and to read the Word and to reflect on this great God. So I'm going to do that. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 90. 90. Psalm chapter 90, and we are going to continue in our series called Astonished, and we're looking now at the attribute of the eternal God. The big idea of this series comes from Dr. A.W. Tozer, and Tozer said that what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And that our worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. So, very practically, if your worship feels cold and dead, it's not the band's fault, and it's not the preacher's fault. (laughs) If your worship feels cold and dead, it's because your thoughts about God are not glorious enough. (laughs) Because when our thoughts are actually starting to see him as he is, it doesn't matter if the band is out of tune or not. Worship is springing up. Fortunately, our band is not out of tune, but I think you get my point. So, this series really is a worship series where we look at God, we preach and look at God for a time, and then we stand and worship Him for who He is. So, today's attribute Psalm 90 the Eternal God. The message is in four parts. Number one, the stability of an eternal God. The stability of an eternal God. That's verses 1 to 4. The fragility of sinful humanity. That's verses 3 to 10. Third, the eternal, eternal mercy and grace. Verses 11 to 13. And then finally, how to redeem the time. How to redeem time. Verses 12 to 17. Let's pray. Abba, we come before you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. I thank you that you have stooped into time to speak. And even now, you are stooping into this moment. So we offer this moment wholly to you. We offer you this hour of this day in the year 2021, we offer it to you. Would you come and reign and move in this time with us? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Part one, the stability The stability of an eternal God. And whether you know it or not, this is some of the best news that you will hear all week. The stability of an eternal God. So, Psalm chapter 90 is really interesting. It's the the only Psalm that's attributed to Moses. Did you know that? Psalm 90 is attributed to Moses. We've got Psalms, the Psalms of David, we've got the Psalms of Korah, we got Psalms from different folks. This is the only psalm that's attributed to Moses. And what what that means, I think, to a certain degree, is that as we read this psalm, the context in our minds should be the wandering in the wilderness of the people of God, of Israel wandering through the wilderness. That's why I think there's a listing of this is a prayer of Moses. So contextually, when we look at this psalm, we're used to thinking, David... But I want you to understand when you look at this psalm, we're actually thinking the people of Israel have left Egypt And now they're wandering through the wilderness for 40 years Getting ready to move into the promised land. So that context is really really important as we move through this text So a couple of things to to remind yourself of Do you remember what happened when Moses sent the spies into the promised land? Do you remember what happened? He sends the spies in. He's like, hey, check out the land, come back, and report. Does anybody know how long they were in the land? 40 days. So the spies are in the land. They're checking it out. 40 days. They come back. They give report. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, are like, let's do this thing. God said, go. Let's do it. Yeah, there's some big dogs in there. There's some big guys in there. But it's fine. Because God's with us, right? What do the other 10 spies say? D- those dogs are so big, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And what do the people of God do? Do they trust the two, or do they trust the 10? Do they, do they walk in faith, or do they walk in fear? Fear. And what's the consequence Numbers, chapter 14, verse 34. This is the consequence. God says, According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. The people of God say, we're not going to follow what God says because of this report, and we're afraid. And it costs them 40 years of wandering around the wilderness. Not only that, it cost them an entire generation of people, right? God says, not just 40 years, I'm going to wait until everyone in that generation that said, no, we're not going, when everyone in that generation dies, then you get to go into the promised land. It is a costly thing. But it's interesting, God is dealing with time okay you're you're in the land 40 days you rebel against me now it's 40 years a year for each day there's all this time stuff happening so i'm laying all of that context so that when we get to the text you see what god is doing in the text so here we go the stability of the eternal god this is psalm 90 verses 1 to 4 this is a prayer of moses and moses says lord You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight, are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. I love the Bible. Moses tells us at least three things about the eternal God in these four verses. Number one, he tells us that God was eternal before time began. Look at verse two. It says, before the mountains were brought forth. Do you see that? Everyone say before. Before. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth. So, before mountains, before the earth, before the world, before the cosmos, before time, space, matter, before all of it, God was. It says, from everlasting, from eternity past to eternity future, you are God. He is the creator of all things. He spoke galaxies into being. There were no galaxies, and then God speaks, and now there's galaxies. (laughs) And there's billions of these galaxies, just that we can see with our microscopes. And in those galaxies are billions of stars. And around those billions of stars, there are planets. And around one of those billions of stars is our planet. And he created it all. But not only that, he created time. Like, there was a time where there was no... That's funny, there was a time, right? There was a... I can't even say it. Anyway, there was a, a mode of being in which there was no time. And God created it. He's like, you know what? Let's do 60 seconds. And he created that. He created the way we mark time. He was eternal before time began. Secondly... God is eternal outside of time. Look at verse 4. It says, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. So when God, God is so outside of time that he's like, okay, so that's a thousand years. And to him, it's just like a moment. And when he says, it's as if it's as a watch in the night. That's like a couple hours when the watchman is standing guard Right out the wall, a thousand years is almost like just a couple of hours for God. He is so outside of this space that he sees just like that image that we saw—that of, of that cord, and then the knot in the middle. He is outside of this space, and he's looking at all of this time, and he is present in each of those times fully. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. C.S. Lewis would talk about it this way. He said, "If you took a piece of paper," And that piece of paper went out into all directions infinitely. And then you took a, pen, a pencil and you drew a one-inch line. That would be time. The beginning of time to the end of time. And God is all this other infinite stuff. He's eternal. Outside of time. Second Peter 3.8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. So to God, when he looks at time, he is present in all of those times, and he is outside of those times, looking at them all simultaneously. You all see what I'm saying? It's it's like those moments where, you know, like when you go and take a test, and you see a question on the test, and you think to yourself, oh, I remember when I studied that, right? (laughs) I remember when I, I tried to cram that last night, and I tried to crammed that study time what is, what is it what is it what is it what is it you know those moments of just like i remembered looking at that god never has that moment he never has that moment about anything it is present all facts present all birth dates present all death dates present the big bang whatever you want to call it creation present present the end of all things, the new heaven, new earth, present. Mind-boggling. He's eternal and outside of time. Third, Moses teaches us here in this prayer that this eternal God is a stable refuge. This is the good news for us. Look at verse 1. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Our dwelling place in all generations. That, w- that word dwelling place means a refuge safe place, a fortress. In fact, if you look at verse, if you look at the next chapter, chapter 91, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's this language of protection, of safety. It's the language of home and being whole and together. Security. It says, Lord, you have been this safe place for us In all generations, throughout all of history, God, you have been home for us. So Moses is is crying out what it feels like to have an eternal God. It's stability. It's a safe refuge. It is a fortress. He sees all of time presently. And listen, this is the stability that you crave, friend. Like, let's be honest. If you're in any sort of leadership right now, whether you're leading a church, nonprofit, you lead your business, you're leading any sort of team, what is one of the major concerns that you have right now? I think for most people, the major concern is When's all this stuff like gonna not be like this? Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's constant questions. We're we gonna wear masks. We're not gonna wear masks. Well, is the governor gonna do this or not do this? It's almost impossible to lead when you don't know where the finish line is. Are y'all know what I'm talking about, or is it just me? It's like impossible to lead because we can't see. I think God likes that when we feel that way. You know why? Because it forces, it forces our hand and our eyes to go, I don't know what's coming next, but I trust you because you are already there present. Are y'all hearing me? There's a sense in which I, I can walk through life worried about what's coming, or I can walk through life going, you're already there, I'm just going to trust you. And, it, and the result doesn't matter as much as the fact that you're already there and you said you would walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. So I'm just going to trust you right now. I've dealt with a lot of anxiety in my life. And I've learned that when I am future tense oriented, I get really nervous. Like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm concentrating on, well, what if that happens? Then I start deep anxious and nervous. And I've learned that the, my problem is, is I'm not living present tense with Jesus. Now, and listen, this is not like some sort of like easy situation. I want to be honest about that. But when we are future oriented without Jesus, we get into trouble and we get anxiety. And when we live present tense with Jesus, understanding he is the eternal one who is already there, he already knows what's going to happen, and he's having a great time, like he's perfectly fine right now. I want to trust and be with him. Does that make sense? Like the disciples on the boat. The wind and the waves are crashing in on them. They are in legitimate danger. It's not an illusion. They're in legitimate danger. But Jesus is what? Asleep on the boat. Because his father said, get on the boat and go over to the other side because there's a demoniac there that you're going to heal. And Jesus is like, okay. And he grabs his disciples. So Jesus is not concerned. He already knows what's coming. Are y'all hearing this? He already knows what's coming. And if the worst thing happens... You die, you get to see him face-to-face and become like him, okay? So that's what I'm talking about, this this sense of stability. There There is a stableness to realizing the one who dwells within me and walks with me already knows what's gonna happen. I don't have to worry about that meeting. He already knows, and apparently he's fine about it. He's not wringing his hands. Jesus is not wringing his hands about COVID, I can tell you that. All right part two the fragility of sinful humanity so the bible's so great because moses starts talking about this eternal god and then he turns his attention then and contrasts this eternal god with the fragility of us of humanity and he begins to confess to god and he confesses at least three things number one humanity is fading into death look at verse three says you return man to dust and say return O children of man we know this from biology this body is breaking down right and outside of mummification what's going to happen to this body it is going to become dust literally biologically speaking organic matter returns to dust that's the language that moses is using here There is a a fading away, a a fragility to who we are, that we are not infinite. We are not eternal in these bodies, right? We return to dust. And he uses a couple of analogies, really interesting. He says, verse 5, You sweep them away as with a flood. Which is interesting. It's, It's almost like a picture of Pharaoh's armies, right, crossing the sea, being swept away in this flood. But he's talking about all of humanity. You sweep them away as a flood. They're like a dream. Like when you have a dream and you wake up, you're like, oh, I remember this dream, and then it's just and it just goes away. (laughs) He says that's what humanity's timeline is like. It's like, oh, there it is, gone. Or like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes. In the evening it fades and withers. Our lives are not permanent, they fade. You say, okay, Jamie, well, why? The Bible tells us. Second point. The wages of sin is death. The reason there's this fading away is because of sin and because of death. Look at verses 7 to 8. says, we are brought to an end, all of this vanishing is happening by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities, that's our sin, you have set our iniquities before you Our secret sins in the light of your presence. We are brought to an end by your anger. That word brought, that phrase brought to an end is consumed, destroyed, ended, stopped, stopping. (laughs) Now, obviously, in the context of this passage, what's he referring to, right? Referring to their sin and their rebellion. You know, the people of God during that uh, wilderness wandering, do you know they were constantly complaining? In fact, the verb to grumble is a, is a constant verb through the wilderness wandering. Like, man, I wish we had that, I wish we could have had some of that food like Egypt, and we're just, and then here comes manna, supernatural bread stuff, Right? And then they're, they're slamming manna, and then it's like, dude, man, this is supernatural heaven bread. Dude, can we get some salt up in here, man? Can we get some seasoning? Uh, what does the Bible say about God's wrath towards them? It was kindled. He's like, I'm literally providing supernatural heavenly bread for you. <laughs> and you're grumbling. He's like, fine. Here comes some protein i'm gonna give you so much protein there's gonna be so many birds coming that they're gonna die and just rot on the ground because there's gonna be so much protein that you can't eat right constant grumbling oh i need some h2o i need some water moses is popping a rock water comes out but i wish it was the nile i wish it was the water from anybody got kids or teenagers because i feel like (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) but (laughs) thank you i appreciate that solidarity constant grumbling constant complaining And Moses is confessing this. You see, Moses is is getting a glimpse. Sometimes we don't think about this. Did you know that grumbling and complaining deserves the wrath of God? Did you know that? I've been feeling a lot of weightiness about this message because I, I think we struggle to really understand. Two weeks we talked about the holiness of God. We struggle to understand he really is infinitely holy. And even when I think a thought like, ugh, I'm tired of you not doing what I want you to do. That deserves the wrath of God upon me. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? And a lot of times we don't feel that way. We actually don't understand how holy he is. And even a grumbled thought deserves the wrath of God towards us. And a lot of times we're we're just not there, and I can feel it in me. Like as I was prepping, I was I could feel it inside of me. I was like, I don't feel awe and reverence before this God. And I know that I should, and that's a problem, right? That's why the proverbs say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to start to grow in wisdom, ask for holy, reverent fear of God, of a holy God. Abba, would you give us that kind of reverent awe for you? Would you start with me. Yes, you are our friend, and yes, you are a tender, compassionate father. But you are the holy, righteous creator of the universe. and We do not deserve relationship with you. That even heavenly beings bow before you. Because of your infinite holiness. Oh, Holy Spirit, you give us a sober awareness of your holiness. Third thing that Moses teaches and confesses in this section is that our lives are fragile and troubled. Look at verse 9. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Interesting. The reason our lives have been shortened, I mean, remember Methuselah was like, was it 900 and something? My Bible drill skills there. 959? 969. Look at that. Sin has shortened the number of days. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, and this is one of the proof passages for that. I don't have time to get into that. Uh, but he says, our years are 70 or by reason of strength, 80. And with medical advances, even now, we're, we're, we're living past that. But sin has a deteriorating effect on us, our bodies. And he says, and there's trouble. <laughs> our span is toil and trouble. Now, you may say, sheesh, Jamie. <laughs> it's a rough message, man. We're just trying to navigate March of 2021, man. Is there any good news? Yes, part three. (laughs) Part three. Eternal mercy and grace. Eternal mercy and grace. Look at verse 11. Moses says, Who considers... That verb means to know. It's yada To know. To intimately know something. He says, Who considers... The power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you. This is a rhetorical question. The answer is, nobody knows the full length of your wrath. It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, who can understand? Who actually knows your anger and your wrath towards humanity? And rhetorically, it's like, nobody knows. Nobody understands. Moses, again, showing us what wisdom looks like. But I only beg the question, or let me ask this question, there is one person who knows the full wrath of God. There is one person. This is a rhetorical question. Moses is saying, "Who knows the full wrath of your anger towards us?" It's rhetorical, No one. But actually, the Bible says that one person knows the full, unadulterated wrath and anger of God against sin. There's one person who does know that. His name is Jesus. Jesus himself, God himself, has come into time and taken on himself the full wrath of this eternal God for us. This is the amazing truth of the gospel that we deserve death. We deserve to be crushed completely, and yet God, outside of time, goes into that time and takes on, as a substitute, the wrath of God for us. Takes it on himself. You say, Jamie, you're reading into the text, right? This is an Old Testament psalm. You can't just take Jesus and just plunk him in there, other than the fact that Jesus said, all of these words are talking about me, but... Look at verse 13. As Moses understands mercy and grace. Look at verse 13. It says, return, O Lord. Come back, Yahweh. Have pity on your servants. Moses understands that mercy and grace is available. Otherwise, he's not asking Yahweh to come back. Come back to us. Come back to us. Mercy and grace is all over the Old Testament. And Moses actually articulates it here. Return, Lord. Have pity on your servants that is a shadow of course of the great exodus that is found in Christ setting us free from slavery to sin so one the eternal god mercifully became a fragile human <laughs> jesus comes into this fragility the bible tells us that he was he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was lying in a manger can you imagine you created time. By your word, you uphold gravity itself, the Bible says. All things are held up by the word of his power. And he comes into and becomes a little poopy baby. Like literally the most fragile version of human, humanity. Literally could be dropped at any point in a, in a trough. Where animals feed and drink, there's the creator of the universe, comes into the fragility of our humanity. Second, the eternal God came into our time. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. When the fullness of time, it's funny. For a God who sees all of time, he chooses, he says, that's the full, this is the exact time. The fullness of time. It's it's now, I'm coming into this space. And then third, we can live eternally under law or grace. This is really important. Galatians 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Bible says that Jesus was born under the law. The law is the perfect standard of God. If you do not uphold this standard, you receive the wrath of God and you will be separated from God forever. And God said, I love them so much, I don't want them separated from me forever. So he comes underneath the law and is judged for us by that law so that we are redeemed and made perfect and righteous so that we can live with him forever. Here's the deal. There is a choice for every single one of us. You are going to live forever either under the law or righteous. Did everyone hear me? It's called the doctrine of hell and the afterlife. We choose whether we live under the law, separated from God, receiving his wrath and judgment forever, or righteous. And the difference between those two is faith in Christ. It is to say, God, you have come, Jesus, you have come in human flesh to die for my sins on the cross, and you were raised on the third day, triumphant over my sin and rebellion. I trust you. That moves me from under the law to the righteousness of God. And now I live eternally righteous in Christ. So now he is my dwelling place forever. That's why it is the most significant question you will ever answer. What do you do with Jesus? Is he the God who has died for your sins and have you placed your faith in him or not? That is an eternal question. That is to say, that is a question that has eternal ramifications. What do you do with Jesus? Fourth and finally, let's apply this how to redeem the time. How to redeem the time. Look at verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So teach us to number our days. Teach us to consider the days of our life that we may have wisdom. And how do we live wisely? And I'm I'm taking this phrase, redeem the time, from Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's a sense in which the moments and days that we have are to be redeemed, that we're to make the best use of them. So practically, what does that mean? How does that work? And it's in the text. So how do we redeem the time? A couple of applications. Number one, confess and believe in Jesus. We saw that. I just went through that. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. The truth of the gospel is to say, I cannot save myself. I need someone to save me. So the primary way, then, is to confess and believe in Jesus, that the eternal God has come into time for you, this gospel reality. Second, pray to understand and experience the satisfying love of God. Look at verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast chesed faithful covenant love. Friends, the American dream will not satisfy you. The love of a spouse will not ultimately satisfy you. Career advancement, success in the world will not satisfy ultimately satisfy you. Moses, who just said, we want wisdom, right, goes, you will satisfy me. Your love will satisfy me. All these lesser joys can't pull it off, but you can satisfy me with your faithful, covenant, everlasting, eternal, inexhaustible love shown for me in Christ. And he says, Satisfy me with your eternal love. Did you know that you can pray that? (laughs) In fact, when you find yourself pursuing lesser joys and you realize, ugh, that doesn't satisfy me. This is a great prayer to pray, which is, would you satisfy me with your eternal, steadfast, holy love? Ask the Holy Spirit to remind you I have to do I do this regularly. I will remind myself of the gospel good news Have you noticed that when I preach we're gonna talk about the gospel every single week The reason we do that is because the gospel is actually what warms the heart for worship So if we don't talk about the gospel, we're forgetting his love satisfies But here's the deal. I do that regularly during the day. I have to remind myself again Just remember again This thing will not satisfy me. This addiction will not satisfy me. (laughs) But the love of a holy God found in Jesus Christ does satisfy. So ask. Ask to understand and experience. We're about to sing about his love. I encourage you to ask him as we worship. I want to experience your love right now. Show me the love of Jesus on the cross. Third, Cultivate the joyful presence of God during your day. Look at verse 14. He says, Satisfy us in the morning, but not just the morning, right? I mean, this isn't just about the quiet time in the morning, right? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all the day. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Did you know that you could have deep Sustaining joy even in the midst of evil around you. Did you know that? That's what the bible says We want to experience your joy even in the days that are hard That I just got done talking about in part two or part three whichever one part Even in the midst of sorrow and great toil and trouble there is a deep joy available to us And we can cultivate that fourth Ask to see what God is doing. Look at verse 16. It says, let your work, let your power, let your purposes be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. I love this prayer. This is the kind of prayer where you say, I want to see you move in great power. You know, that's a biblical prayer. Show us your power. The New Testament church prays, would you extend your arm with power, and the Bible says that the room they were in was shaken? There's something to praying for revival. I want to see God do something, right? And here's the deal. He is doing things all over the way, all over the world. There's a revival, current revival in North Georgia right now happening. It's been happening since before COVID started. We need to stoke our hearts with stories of revival and asking the father to show us more fifth find out what god is doing and then join him there verse 17 let the favor of the lord our god be on us and establish the work of our hands establish the work of our hands they're saying we're going to put our hands to something we want it to be the one thing you're doing so that you will actually bless it Because a lot of times we'll put our hand to something that God is not doing anything with. We'll start pushing on something that God is actually not blessing. Mature Christianity says, okay, I could just do whatever I want to do. I'd rather see what God is doing, put my hand to that, and push there. As a church, as a church covenant family, that has to be on our minds. Especially with all the COVID stuff. Because there's a lot of, I can't wait for this to happen so we can go back. And then, what if God's not doing that? What if whatever we're thinking we want to get back to is not what God wants our hands on? There's something about being able to say, Father, whatever you're doing, we want to put our hands on and push there. Because you're actually blessing it. Okay, I'm about to preach the third sermon, so let's keep going. Sixth and finally. Live in light of eternity. Live in light of an eternal refuge and an eternal home. Revelation 21. All this dwell language, you've been our dwelling place in all generations from chapter, Psalm 90 verse 1, shows up again in Revelation 21. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold the dwelling place of God. Is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And this is what happens when we dwell eternally with him. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who seated, was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. We redeem the time by considering There is coming a day where I will dwell perfectly with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All the toil of this life and pain of this life that is real, He will wipe that pain from our faces. The pain of miscarriage. The pain of great heartbreak that is real and present is wiped away in his presence. That he has dwelled with his people for generations and he will dwell with us by faith in Christ for eternity. Band, I want you to come on up. I want to end with this. One of my favorite book series is The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. In the book The Last Battle, Dr. Lewis describes really the end of the story for, for the kiddos and Aslan. And this is what he writes... And as Aslan spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them... It was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Do you hear what Dr. Lewis is saying? You know, we think about 70, 80, 90 years, and we think to ourselves, even people that die short, like they've only lived a a couple of years, and then they die, and we think that is tragic, and it is tragic, but the truth of an eternal God is actually seeing Him face to face is the beginning of the story. It is the start of an eternal, perfect, glorious story that all of us will experience by faith in Christ with Him forever. Sometimes we think about eternity as this static thing. I'm just on a cloud playing my harp. No, actually, that's when the adventure starts of being with him. Because he is an eternal God. And he invites us to come. By faith in Christ, come and dwell with me forever in a way that is even better than the 70, 80, 90 years that you may have had on this earth. It is better. It is always better. Because he is an eternal God. Let's stand. Abba, we thank you. We thank you. And we acknowledge our limited, weak minds to comprehend who you are. And even to comprehend what you have done. But Jesus, we honor you. That you did not count equality with the Father as something to be held on to. But you came into our time as a servant. And you are obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. Because of the great love of the Father, Abba, you have come to save us. And Holy Spirit, I ask, would you just give us a glimpse? Give us a glimpse of your holiness and your mercy and grace. ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pour the love of the Father into our hearts, that we would we would experience the all-satisfying love of God. Holy Spirit, would you help us to worship you? In this moment, at this time, would you help us to worship the eternal one? Give us a taste of what eternally dwelling in your presence feels like, looks like, Even smells like. Holy Spirit, come. Help us to worship. Jesus, we honor you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
3: final breath he gave As heaven looked away The Son of God was laid in darkness A battle in the grave The war on death was waged The power of hell forever broken The ground began to shake storm was rolled away. His perfect love cannot be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected King has rendered you defeated. We say hallelujah, we say hallelujah, the land is over. hallelujah the lamb is overcome <laughs> the Lamb of God is overcome the wrath of God poured out on the sun. Lamb of God is overcome. Yeah. grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above heaven's peace and perfect justice kiss the guilty world in love who his love will not remember who can cease to sing his praise Can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. Oh, heaven's eternal days, we will never cease to sing his praise. No love is higher, no love is wider. No love is deeper No love is truer No love is higher No love is wider No love is deeper No love is sweeter No love is higher No love is wider No love is deeper No love is truer Savior, more than the love of my Savior. On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy, float a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love, like mighty rivers, poured incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kiss the guilty world in love. And who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise? He will never be forgotten throughout His eternal day. You will never be forgotten. And on and on and on, the praise goes on. Let the church cry out, let His children cry out. Oh, the holy and reckless God who came to save us. No love is higher, no love is truer, no love is higher, no love is wider, no love is higher, no love is wider. No love is deeper. No love is sweeter. No love is higher. No love is wider. No love is deeper. No love is truer. No love is higher. No love is wider. No love is deeper. No love is truer. That my Your love. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is to come and holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is to come and every elder knows he is to come and every angel knows he is to come and every child of god knows he is to come his word says jesus is to come jesus is to come the holy one will come with the flaming fire in his eyes he is to come he is to come where there is white as snow And a sword in his mouth he is to come His name is Jesus, the holy and righteous one Riding on a horse he is to come Making all things new Making all things new Oh, we know you are to come Was made sick at this vision. It was so overwhelming <laughs> that the Revelator, who was <laughs> known as Jesus' best friend, oh yes, hey, hey, he is not coming as a babe. He is not coming back as a babe. That vision that John, his best friend, got caused him to fall down and say, "Don't kill me." <laughs> It caused him to fall down at his feet and say, oh, holy, holy, holy. I want to join in with these elders, and I want to join in with these angels. Come on, church, we need to get a new picture that he is the holy one. We have lowered him to something that looks like us, and that is not God. He is the holy one. You understand what the word says. He'll come with hair white as snow, with eyes flaming like fire a sword in his mouth that will divide and cut Cut, cut. right to marrow and bone you will know that you're standing before that holy one and all of these promises we know children have come true right and that is still to come I remember my grandparents saying to me beware what you're doing today for Jesus might come today where were your hands and feet are at and what your eyes are looking at where's your ears are at that holy one is to come and he has redeemed you and me that's the good news and he actually was the only one that should not have taken any punishment on him and yet he knew the wrath of God fully as Jamie said oh my goodness how awesome is that how awesome is that word for us Oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's taken away the sin of the world. There'll be no more tears before our Holy One. No more crying, no more death before our Holy One. How good you are, how good you are. Thank you, Holy One. Let's just begin to thank Him, just in prayer, just in song. just begin to thank Him. You've been redeemed. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been redeemed by Him. Thank you. Thank you, Holy One. Are oh, you taking my sin and you've thrown it as far as the east is to the west? You remember my sins no more. Holy One. What kind of God is this? What kind of good news is this? making all things new the lame will run and the blind will see (laughs) thank you Jesus the downcast and depressed will know the joy like they've never known before thank you Lord thank you Lord you're so good you're so good so good, isn't he, Church? He's so good. He's so awesome. Thank you, Lord.
2: Father, we thank you for this time. Would you make us people of thanksgiving? You make us people of holiness. Would you make us people of wisdom, who have reverent awe and respect and fear for you? We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you are saying to us. And I just want to say, for those that are in the room. You want to receive prayer. I and Raz and, and um, others will be up here up front. If you want to Receive prayer. I'll be happy to pray for you. And if you're online, and you're sensing that the Lord is doing something in your life. I want you to reach out. There'll be a number on the screen you can call or you can reach out to the church. Any of the pastors will be happy to talk to you. But that question is an eternally important question. What do you do with Jesus? Is he your savior who died in your place? Or is he just some guy? And I just sense that maybe some of you that want to have a conversation about this man. So call the church office. We will talk to you this week. I bless you, church. I bless you with the love of the Father, the holy, eternal, inexhaustible love of the Father. And I bless you this week with wisdom and creativity to redeem the time of this week, to redeem the moments of this week, Holy Spirit, would you you bless us with an awareness of your presence with us all day, every day? Would you satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we would rejoice in you all of our days? We give you our lives both now and for eternity. And I bless these with joy with your steadfast love. For now and for all of eternity. in Jesus, we honor you and we thank you. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, you are loved. Be at peace. You are dismissed. Be at peace.